Yeah, let's watch a movie, guys. in an hour aircraft from here will join others from around the world and you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind mankind that word should have new meaning for all of us today we can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore we will be united in our common interests Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July and you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution, but from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live, to exist. And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday, but as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. In a world. What? Where... What, wait, Earth? Wait, what's, what's going what on? World, what world? Earth? It's... Oh, trailer parody. Trailer parody. Uh, okay. Go on. In a time. Vito. Throughout history, man. That's, that's, mar- basic, that's just basically the same thing. One man. It doesn't work for this film. <clears throat> this July 4th. Wait, is, this, we... is this supposed to be a comedy? This July fourth. There it is. Yep, yep there is. That's the one. Go with you it. Know what? Yeah. No. Fuck it's you guys. Perfect decay. Fuck you guys. Perfect. No. Fuck you. I'm done. You ruined it. I'm done. It's done. You killed it. Thanks. Yep. Yep. Josh, you still need to do the intro. I mean, you can still do decay if you want. Shut I up. mean, <laughs> all right. Starting over. Do it the old-fashioned way. Good evening. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Fire Pit Podcast. Now on iTunes. I'm Reginald, American name, Josh. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day podcast. We are hot off off the hills of watching Detective Not Murtaugh take down a predator in Predator 2. We come to our exciting finale on our Road to Independence Day series. The conclusion of our first major milestone for the Fire Pit Podcast. Applause, everyone. Round of applause, applause please. Applause, clap, 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 Now clap. that corny moment is over. And uh, to all of our loyal bots and our single follower knows, what we do on this podcast is we connect our weekly viewings by an actor or actress that starred in both last week's and this week's movie. 
So to break down this week's movie connection, I'm going to go ahead and send it over to you, Thompson. Well, thank you, Josh. Hello, everyone. I'm Thompson, American name Tom. Salute. And tonight we're watching Adam Baldwin take another crack at an alien invasion in The Patriot. Uh, Tom, um, the Patriots about the American Revolution. I mean, a patriot in Independence Day. In Independence Day, Adam Baldwin plays a patriot trying to keep the president and America safe. That's totally, totally what I meant. <clears throat> Aliens try to invade the world, do mucho destruction to all of our favorite buildings and landmarks, shrugging off nukes and America's mavericks, only to fail because they forgot to uninstall Norton. For those that don't get that, that Norton's a shitty antivirus, you shouldn't, you should just, just don't. Yeah, it, actually lets, it actually lets viruses in, so. Yes, yes. It it's, is it's, viruses. I mean, come on, guys. Yeah. Mo modern antiviruses fit the definition of a 90s yeah. virus. It's, yeah. it's half a step uh, below McAfee. It's you just don't, just yeah. don't. But to give us a rundown and just a bit of trivia on this film, I turn it over to Nigel. Ah, uh, no, Tom. I may be Nigel, but today I am shunning my British name, and I'm only going to go by Dan because yes, it's Independence Day. Independence America. Day, America. So. so Today I will be foregoing my British name. However, I'll, I'll, I'll adopt it again next week when we're allies again. <laughs> so, uh, finally though, finally here, Road to Independence Day finally hits its last stop. A uh, bit of rundown for the movie here we're going to watch tonight. Uh, I mean, we've only been talking about it for the last six weeks, but here it is. Uh, the release date, July 3rd, 1996. So we're actually just about up on the anniversary. And by the time you all are listening to this, it will be the anniversary of this movie. Um, it was directed by Roland Emmerich, who's actually really famous and popular with uh, disaster type films and movies where lots of landmarks get destroyed. He has a thing for that, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He hates anything that can be recognized on a postcard. Um, he does. <laughs> he just, every movie just destroys all of them. And he never gets the same place twice. Like, uh, no, we already no, checked no. off White House. We already checked off the, that one. Can yeah, we do and, the Taj Mahal? Yes, yes, we can do that one. Yeah, and in the sequel to Independence Day, the, the less received Independence Day 2 or whatever it was called. Um, Surgeons? I don't know. Whatever. It was stupid. Um, he blows up all new landmarks that he didn't get to blow up in the first one. So it's just, he, uh, like I said, he hates anything that can be recognized on a postcard. Um, anyways, uh, back to the film itself. Uh, it had a box office a return of $817.4 million dollars on a budget of 75 million. So it made a crap ton of money for 1996. Yeah. I mean, it, it was an all-star cast, Will Smith, Jeff Goldblum, Bill Pullman, Robert Loggia, Judd Hirsch. That's just naming some of the people in the movie. So yeah, it's, and it currently, I don't, I, I was actually again shocked when I looked this up, Rotten Tomatoes has it listed at 65% for a movie that is so popular. I can't believe the rating is so, is like middle kind of meh rating keep, keep in mind transformers i know like a 40 percent. yeah but but like unlike transformers this isn't a bad film i don't know all right it's now are you looking movie. at this as an objective adult or through the the lens of like a 13 year old boy no i've seen this movie rather recently like 
And in fact, I watched it a year or so ago, right after the second one came out, because I thought the second one was so garbage. Yeah. And just, I forgot, like, it's so funny, like how memorable this movie is and how quotable this movie is and how forgettable the sequel is like just offensively forgettable. Oh yeah. My God, yeah. And, and which is weird. Cause I'm going to go to independence day one or this one, like this movie, you know, we're all old enough to remember when this movie came out in theaters and this movie is probably the closest our generation ever got to experiencing star Wars mania. Oh my God. Yeah. I remember like the week before independence day came out and I, I was all up on independence day when that came out, there was a TV spot, like a 30 minute TV spot about uh like the news there was fake news yeah literally fake news for the 1990s <laughs> uh, that's not a political joke no that it was mm-hmm. literally it was a news segment it was like a 30 minute news segment or so it probably was five minutes i mean this was you know 24 years ago but where they was basically a news uh anchor was talking about these ships coming down and landing or uh, putting themselves over all these famous landmarks and i remember watching like, oh that's so cool you know, mm-hmm. back in the day when viral marketing was viral or something, you, you had to be on TV to have it. You couldn't do it through the internet. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I remember being at my uncle's house watching the Super Bowl with the family and the very first commercial for this movie came out, you know, because this was obviously back in the day when Super Bowl commercials were still like the big thing. And a lot of Super Bowl commercials were movie trailers um, for the upcoming summer movies. And this was one of the first commercials uh, uh, in in the first quarter of the Super Bowl, and it was like this this trailer for this movie, and I remember like I think the trailer showed the White House blowing up, yeah. And you're like you're like what the hell? Like yeah, back just, when practical effects. Oh yeah, yeah. So and you're beautiful. like mm-hmm. yeah, and and what's amazing is if you go, you can actually go on YouTube and watch the original trailer, and it shows the White House exploding, but it actually looks even better in the film because they added little bits to they they actually blew up another White House during principal photography that actually shows like some of the the more the, the splinters and the columns coming undone and the explosion mm-hmm. looks even better. Apparently the one in the trailer was a different prop. And that when, when they actually saw the trailer, like, uh, we don't really like it. So they went back and blew it up again. Or, and, or, or they wanted to blow up the white house again. So they made that. Explain. <laughs> <laughs> but, but either way, it was just so watching it going, what is this? And then like, like you said, it was uh, before, you could go on the internet and find anything you wanted about any movie that was in production. So we only got like, this movie was in the infancy of the internet. It's 1996, 1995. So, you know, the internet's not in everyone's home. Um, I remember, even, I remember I went to the ID Four website. I remember that was like one of the first websites I'd go. Like, yeah. And I remember, it was, I remember it was showing it was like satellite. It was like talking about the, the satellite coverage for the, uh, the, the spaceships and stuff like that. And, yeah. That was like but, one of the first websites I'd ever go, gone to. Yeah, but it was so surreal. Like I said, the movie was, I mean, before the movie came out, months before the movie came out, everyone's talking about Independence Day. Can't wait for Independence Day. It's coming out. Independence Day. Like, everyone can't wait for Independence Day weekend. Mm-hmm. And they're not talking about wanting to go to a cookout with some fireworks and some hot dogs and flags and go watch some parades. Uh, no, they want to go watch this movie. They want to see some aliens blow up Washington D.C. Yeah, like you know, there was. Swear to God, so I saw that t- that hype. movie. Like, I think I saw that movie like three or four times in theaters over the. Yeah, course of that I saw time. it five times. I saw it five times in the theaters, which, and I have still yet to ever see another movie that many times in the theaters. The closest I've ever seen in, uh, again is the force awakens three times. And that's just because I had different friends that wanted to go see it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because I wanted to go see that movie three times. It's I had different friends invite me out to go see it. 
this one, I have, I didn't even see Endgame this many times. And when it came out on VHS, I watched the VHS so much that it warped it. Like I warped the tape. I was watching it so much. Similar for our house. I mean, my stepbrother and I, we had it on VHS and that was his film. So, I mean, when we, him and I weren't like trying to beat the crap out of each other, we'd watch Independence Day. Yeah. It, it was that just, he still oh, loves dude. it to the base. He still yeah. quotes it, it. It's, it was, it just, it was the zeitgeist. It permeated pop culture so much. You couldn't avoid it. Even if you didn't want to see this movie, you had no interest in seeing this film. It was everywhere. It was just like how my cousin, Steve described star Wars in 1977. Like it was everywhere. It was such a yeah. huge hit. You couldn't get away from it. And I wasn't obviously alive for when star Wars came out. And I do remember the hype of some of the prequel movies, but they mm -hmm. didn't match this like this oh, night this movie was so big just to give an idea of how much money this thing made one year prior the number one box office summer release was batman forever and that made almost 200 million dollars this one <laughs> made 817 million dollars it demolished a batman film damn worldwide versus uh worldwide because keep in mind, the worldwide market wasn't nowhere near what it is now. Yeah. From what, from, now, I may be wrong. I may be, maybe my numbers are off. But from what I was reading, looking up information on this, the number one box office film for 1995 was Batman Forever. Made 184, made $184 million. And I rounded up to 185. Made $185 million. This one made 817 U.S. And domestic box office. And I was I was looking it up too, just looking at some of the numbers. Nineteen ninety six wasn't a slouch year either. This film was the highest of the year. It beat out Mission Impossible and Twister in terms of numbers. It was number one for three weeks. Yeah, so it's this was the big. Also, uh, look a little additional fact I saw. Um, after this film, there was a marked increase in dolphin themed jewelry due to their prominence in association with Vivica Fox character. Cause she had like mm. the dolphin necklace and dolphin, dolphin engagement yeah. ring and such. Yeah. Also this, um, this reinvigorated the summer blockbuster craze. It kind of sort of paved the way for July to be the big month of the month of the big movie for a while. It used to be June. June used to be the movie where you put your your all your your big eggs in there to try to like Batman Forever the year before it came out in the middle of June. The 1989 Batman movie came out in the middle of June. Like June was the time you made you tried to put your big movies in like uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade was a June movie, you know. But July eventually became the movie for a while. Now it's May. May is where you see a lot of the big blockbusters coming out. Like I think Josh, I think you mentioned before we went live on air, it said you know, this movie didn't even make a billion dollars. So in today's, if, if it only made 874 million today, it'd be a box office bomb or it would be yeah. considered a movie that underperformed. Well, not, um, keep in mind, keep in mind, that was also the uh, worldwide gross. This film only made 306 million yeah. uh, or, or domestically, which mm -hmm. keep in mind, um, adjusted for inflation, that's about $650 million. So still pretty good, but no, seriously, yeah. the, talk go back on that like i remember this film was huge for me too like i easily saw it anywhere from three to five times on in theaters too like this was my uh every fourth of july until the first year that i couldn't get around to watching it july for the next three or four years after this becomes the month of will smith mm -hmm. you know yeah uh, independent uh, and then he has men in black the year after that and then i think he had um was that 97 or 98 98 might be 97 or I think it was 98 actually it was no 97 is men in black if I'm not mistaken 
I looked that up real quick because now I'm curious. 1997. Was it? Yep. So yeah, yeah you got 97. Oh, 98 was Wild Wild West, and that that was uh, America's. Uh, they they uh, broke up with Will Smith. Yeah, and then <laughs> Will Smith, or I mean, uh, Men in Black came out almost exactly one year later. So July 2nd, 1997, is when it was released. So yeah, July becomes the month of Smith. He was coming out with almost a big hit for a three. I think he had a good three year run, two year, four year run, maybe uh, um, up until 1999 with wild, wild west. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he had some, he had some pretty big movies around this time. And like I said, it was, well, I mean, this movie makes him a bona fide star. He was already kind of a popular guy because of the fresh well, this, Prince. This was his first real big movie after fresh Prince. Yeah. Like, well, he made the bad fresh boys still on the air. No, no, this was after Fresh Prince. No, but Bad Boys was made while yeah, Fresh but, Prince was still on the air. That, that was a big one, but that was a wasn't that like a March release? I could be wrong. Yeah, it was, and it was also kind of an under the radar kind of an action movie. That was a movie that did a lot better on VHS too than it did on um yeah. movie. No, this movie made him a bona fide. This one movie did. Yeah, he was a big TV star, and obviously he still had his music career a little bit, so he was popular for those things. I'm not saying Will Smith wasn't popular before Independence Day. But Will Smith was yeah. mega popular after Independence Day. Bad Boys was released in April of 95. So, so a, a year before. A year but yeah, he so, did Men in Black in 97, Enemy of the State in 98, Wild Wild West in 99, and then Legend of Bagger Vance in 2000. Yeah. Some of our, young, some of our younger audience, if we have any bots that are... Younger than <laughs> all of our bots um, are under a year old. So come on. <laughs> my, my laugh at the fact that, you know, so they see some of the stinkers that Will Smith made in the more recent years, like after earth. And, uh, um, what was the after movie? Birth. What was the movie he made? That was a remake of the Omega man. Um, oh, I am legend. Yeah. I am legend. Like that one was okay. Um, he, he just recently came out with another movie like Gemini, where it was like kind of meh. Gemini, <laughs> you know, man, yeah. Gemini man. Like, well, that it was, was written by one of the uh, writers from uh, Game of Thrones, so naturally it's going to suck. Yeah, so it's just kind of hard to believe that, like when this this movie came out, like Will Smith was pun intended here, rocketed into the stratosphere and just kind of became this huge mega star. That for a while, you know, up until Wild Wild West, this star really didn't fade. And even Wild Wild West, well, even then, no, no, Will Smith, I would still be is still considered. I mean, I think for he's those money. three to five money. three to five years or so, he's still worth some money. But yeah, he yeah. doesn't definitely have the draw that he used to. But um, to his credit, to Will Smith's credit, he did he has come out and said that movies like Independence Day and Men in Black and Wild Wild West let him make the money that he can live comfortably on so he can make the movies he wants to make now. So, and he's actually come out with some movies where he got to actually show his acting chops, like the pursuit of happiness. That was a good and, one. Yep. Yeah. Like, yeah. Pursuit of happiness. Um, actually, uh, it's not that great of a movie, but the legend of bagger Vance actually is a, he's oh, no, a much different, he's a much different character. He's not Will Smith in that movie. See this movie. He's still playing. <laughs> this movie's basically playing the fresh prince, except he's a pilot now, you know? So, but then he started to get into roles where he doesn't play Will Smith, the Ali movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he was great in. He was yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Never seen. It. I really want to. It's one of those ones that's like never came across to watch, so I just never watched it. But stay never, tuned, listeners. We might be getting that movie on this podcast, but um, eventually. Yeah. yeah. I was just saying that he's. That was one of the first movies where he played someone other than Will Smith. Basically, he yeah. played like a different mm-hmm. type of character. Um, because like I mean, that all- one in two thousand, then Men in Black two in two thousand two, Bad Boys two in two thousand three. Jesus Christ. He did all those movies within like eight years of each other. Okay, yeah, iRobot was 2004. 
God, it feels like just, those movies just came out like last summer. Yeah, <laughs> they don't feel like they're that old. Yeah, Hell, this movie doesn't feel like it's old. that old. No, it doesn't, and it's 24 years old. Jeez. Yeah, this movie doesn't feel like it's that old, but it is. We're that old. We're yeah, old, guys. They announced Bad Boys 4. Bad? Hang on. They made they... four lethal weapons. They can make four Bad Boys movies. Oh, I know. They just came out with Bad Boys for Life. Yeah, I haven't even seen that one. That yet. that should have been the title for the fourth one. Missed opportunities. Missed missed opter. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You're right there. It's like, what would they have named the third one though? Bad. Go ahead. They, they named the movie Fan Fantastic. So. Yeah, but we don't use that as an example of what to do no. and how you name. But in terms of Independence Day, just uh, I mean, we were all part of the whole marketing, merchandising, like where they put like independence day on everything how many of those like taco bell and like burger king cups did you guys have because i know i pretty much had the entire collection no i think i pretty much had the entire collection too i'm jealous because um the only uh summer thing that i actually got to participate in because my parents were cheap um (laughs) was the uh godzilla 1998 the Taco Bell gordita thing where you got to get the little slide things off or peel things off of it. Yeah. Well, o- only because we were on a vacation and we got to eat only Taco Bell for our, uh, the entire trip because they had a deal on gorditas. Other, other than that, my parents never went out to eat. The only way I ever got a happy meal toy is if my, uh, grandpa would go to McDonald's and get a happy meal toy and give me his toy. Because when my parents went to McDonald's, they went on the value menu or whatever it was called in the nineties. And ordered everything on that. And I did not get to get the uh, Happy Meal for another, what, 50 cents at the time. Because that was too much. I wasn't poor, mind you. My parents were just cheap. They could have afforded it. Mom, I love you. Lord, Dad, you understand. (laughs) Why was Children's Services never called? This is tragic, Josh. (laughs) It's just some Oliver Twist Because stuff. I still got three meals a day and a roof to sleep under. That's bare minimum. There's no joy. To be Oliver... fair, they spoiled me on my birthday and Christmas. I just uh... didn't get to eat out but once a month. And then again, you remember your bad memories more. So keep that in mind. I'm going to insert some sad violin at this part because I think <laughs> it's warranted. The little tiny violin that works because that's all really a question. Or that, that scrubs dramatic music. The da 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 So just um, before we start the movie, just one last little bit of trivia I found hilarious is um, – and uh, I'm going to spoil part of the movie, but then again, the movie's 24 years old. So honestly, if you haven't seen it yet, it's your fault. Um, Spoiler warning. Seriously, if you yeah, again, if you have – One of the biggest the plot holes, one of the biggest plot holes in this film, one of the biggest points of comedy, unintentional comedy of this movie is how in the hell was – Jeff Goldblum's character, David Levinson's MacBook, compatible with an alien operating system. Like, how was he able to put a computer virus from a MacBook onto the alien? There's actually, there was a scene filmed, and it's actually in the novelization of the movie, before the movie came out, that actually explains how Levinson was able to analyze the computers on the crashed fighter that's on Area 51 and build the virus for it. That's how he's able to do it. Emerson cut the film because he didn't think people would make that big of a deal of it. Emmerich, 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 Roland Emmerich cut that scene and it's never even been included in like there's there's no director's cut to this movie or anything like that. He cut the scene just because he didn't think people would think that big of a deal on 
It's like it doesn't. No one's going to care how he put a computer virus on the ship. They're just they don't care. They're not what they're going to see this movie for. And sure enough, the, one of the main th- one of the main plot holes that people poke into in this movie is like, how the hell did he get a MacBook to put a virus on an alien ship? I just yeah. figured it was because I, Macs are such a superior computing tool that they were just super able to outsmart the alien computers. This episode brought to you by Apple and iMac. Get yours today. Just make sure you get your wallet out because that shit ain't cheap. Yeah. Although what's funny is the computer he does use, PowerBook 5300 was actually discontinued one month after the movie came out. (laughs) So like they specifically placed it in Apple paid money to place that move that that well, that computer yeah, in the movie, the next... and then they discontinued it right after the movie came out. To be fair, Apple probably discontinued it, but the next version was probably like slightly different. I mean, Apple's been fairly consistent for years, so yeah. I bet you the the next generation of PowerBook, and I'd have yeah. to look this up, but, but it was just... probably similar. I'm not necessarily trying to close the plot hole, but early on in the movie, they do specify that he went to MIT. Yeah, yeah, it's like so. It's like. I I, always, I never really looked at that as a plot hole, just that he was able to build a virus to install it. Not that his MacBook could interface, but that he was able to build a virus that could interface with their system. Yeah, I honestly was, never made a big deal about the plot hole either. until about 10 years later when I was in college for computers. And I remember like somebody making a joke that I can't even get my Apple to interface with Windows. How the hell did the guy in Independence Day get it to interface with the alien ship? <laughs> Seriously, like I sat and watched this one dude one time write a driver for his phone to interface with his computer. This is like circa 2004. And I just sat here and watched him do it. Now, granted, he was like 90% of the w- way done by the time I got there. But he's mm-hmm. sitting here working in like notepad and he's building a fucking driver for his his phone to interface. I'm just like, I, I don't consider myself stupid when it comes to development. Mm-hmm. I've been a professional software developer for, you know, over a decade. So, but that, even looking at me and my, you know, senior software developer eyes at that scene, I still feel like the junior developer reference looking at that guy. So, <laughs> I, like, I, don't, I couldn't do that today. No, if it doesn't involve turning it off and on again, I, I'm useless. So that's, um, damn. At least he admitted it, right, Dan? Right. Yes. Yeah. It's and it's now on record. So, <laughs> just just remember that you might be cool, but you will never be Jeff Goldblum, i.e., David Levinson, taking down an alien mothership with a PowerBook 5300 equipped with a staggeringly powerful 100 megahertz processor and an absolutely <laughs> insane 64 megabits of RAM. Damn. <laughs> Damn! You need nothing more than that. Yeah. So Whoosh. Absolutely owned. You know. But yeah. It's I guess one of those things. Like I think only because it was so popular were people looking for plot holes like that. I mean, there's a lot of plot holes in the film, but I think if it was just a subpar film, people aren't going to be looking for math for plot holes at that level. Right. Everybody was able to just hand wave the whole scenario. Right. Also, like, oh, people- whatever. Also, people forget, too, that this movie is not just a movie on its own. Quite a few homages to other um, science fiction films in this movie, like mm-hmm. the Flying Saucers are a reference to the in the fact that they go to the White House is the day the Earth stood still. Will Smith's characters leading the alien ship through the Grand Canyon and dodging and weaving through the canyon. That's a reference to Star Wars with the Death Star Trench. 
see that. Yeah, well, the computer virus killing the aliens is a reference to War of the Worlds. That's what eventually stops the alien invasion. Oh. War of the Worlds was a virus. So what you're saying is Roland Emmerich did a very Apple thing. Of course, Apple posts Steve Jobs' return in 98. That he took the best aspects of various other things and put them into one thing and made a success off of that. More or less, yes. Okay. <laughs> And I'm not going to lie, just sitting here talking about it with you guys, I'm getting excited to watch it again. <laughs> me too. Me too. I, I, I love this movie. And I haven't, I, I've seen it recently, but not too recently. So I'm really looking forward to watching it again. And a lot of fond memories of this, especially my, my, one of my favorite memories is, um, I, think, I, Nigel, I think it was either you and I that saw it or it was me and my brother. We saw it in theaters like near the butt end uh, before it left and we were watching it and it got to the scene where Goldblum and Will Smith's character are trying to fly out of the spaceship after delivering the bomb and when they, they get smacked with one of the blasts and the, the frame freezes and then just the the I want to call it tape but the film starts to warp and stretch and just burns and we were the last ones to see that reel uh, in theater. That's one of my fondest memories. Yeah. I actually watched a film so many times where a film that was watched so many times that it melted. I remember my fondest memory of this movie is my dad legitimately took a day off of work to go see, so we could go see this movie as a family. Nice. And if you got Tom knew him, unfortunately Josh never got to meet him, but if you knew my dad, um, he didn't take days off for, for just anything. It usually was just a vacation is why he would take a day off work or if it was a government holiday. So, um, he took a day off of work and we went to go see this on a Wednesday afternoon. I got a question for you right before we get started. Yes. What quote from this movie do you still use to this day? <laughs> uh, Nigel, you go first. Oh, well, honestly, just recently when we were talking about the current crap that's going on in 2020 i.e everything um i made a joke to my daughter i said welcome to earth and i said it like will smith too i said welcome to earth um <laughs> you know. imaginary cigar in your mouth yeah right, my, my my stepbrother my, again my stepbrother's still big into this film he quotes it all the time so it's like we, we go back and forth sometimes that whole like uh you got your victory dance soldier it's like i got it right here yeah, yeah, and like the whole Jimmy, 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 no. Well, mine is every time my wife tries to tell me where to turn when we're in the car, I'm like, "Quit your sightseeing driving." Oh. <laughs> I yeah. figured it'd be something like "Must go faster, must go faster," which is both a quote to this movie and Jurassic Park. So, but I always think of that of uh, Will Smith telling that to Jeff Goldblum in Independence Day: "Quit sightseeing driving." <laughs> yeah i've also used that's what i call a close encounter a couple of times i've used that one before but we could continue talking about this film but i say we start watching this film amen good, brother good call all right well let's get her started you know uh it's, it's got to give roland emmer credit for being so unrealistic in some of his plot lines he's very realistic on the human reaction yeah, that was supposed to be a joke. You guys aren't supposed to agree with me. <laughs> Damn it, guys! We don't have a script for when we're watching the movie. 
Welcome back to a very special episode of The Fire Pit. As always, I am your interspiritual host, editor, and Area 51 tour guide, Tom. And on your left, you'll see a whole bunch of aliens on your right. Soothing sound of my voice. Uh, we are not doing ASMR for this, no. <laughs> <laughs> Cutting you off. Here, here, let me just, like... Uh, no. Uh, no. 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 Stop. Stop. No. No. <laughs> but seriously, we want to just thank you for being with us on this Road to Independence Day. Honestly, it's been a blast doing this, and especially for us. It's not just a clever name. This has been a bit of a road trip through nostalgia uh, for us over here. We all have a memory. Um, a connection to this film in one way or another it may have not it may not have been the best film ever made by humans but it, it holds a place for us in our pasts and maybe it does for some of you as well maybe for some listening it's been a similar trip or it is a similar trip uh, maybe for some of you this is your first time driving into this movie uh, but whatever the case, we hope that it's been an enjoyable one. If anything else, uh, if you haven't had a chance to watch the film, uh, we recommend you give it a shot. It's not bad. In a world where Tom unzips his pants. No! <laughs> I will mute you. Whip it out, Tom. We all want to see it. I'm muting you. Oh my god, it's so small. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the goddamn mute button for you? <laughs> uh, some updates, though. You can now find us on iTunes by searching for Fire Pit. All of our past episodes should be up there now, as well our future episodes. We can still be found on the Podbean hosting site at firepit.podbean.com. Uh, as before, Podbean hosts such podcasts as Critical Role, and we're lucky and fortunate enough to be on there, too. So... Keep uh, keep your ear, nose, eyes, whatever on the site. Again, that's firepit.podbean.com for any news, new episodes, so on and so forth. We can also be contacted at curtaincallentertainmentinc at gmail.com. That's curtaincallentertainmentinc at gmail.com. Just put in the subject line, whether you have a question, comment, idea, sponsorship, or whatever's on your mind. Uh, shoot us the email, and we'll be sure to give it a read before we toss it into the recycling bin. You're welcome. It's Curtain Call Entertainment, Inc. Capital C, capital C, capital E, capital I, at gmail.com. Right, that's everything from us right now. Uh, let's get back to the movie. Appreciate everyone listening and joining us on this road to Independence Day. And as always, good luck. Bit of trivia. Will Smith is in the Black Knight Squadron. His co-star in Bad Boys was also in the movie Black Knight. <laughs> Shared universe. That's such a bad link. <laughs> damn that was a good movie it still yeah. is a good movie it's still a good movie it's still a good fun movie so who wants to who wants to start us off here uh i think last night's final thoughts i think 
we started with you, Tom. All right. Yep. Uh, just yeah, quick uh, quick preface for our listeners right here. So we uh, there was a bit of a technical difficulty uh, on my side in that my internet went out in my neighborhood. So I would. What was that, Josh? Tell them exactly at what point the internet went out for you, and at what point this movie stopped streaming. Right during Bill Pullman's big speech. He was about to give that whole, right where he's about to say, today we celebrate our Independence Day. It died with him right about to say that. So I did not get the, I did not get the thrill of that. But thankfully, um, they did eventually get it working, obviously, uh, about three in the morning. And the advantage of having seen a film a couple dozen times i don't remember my cousin's kids names but i remember independence day detail to detail i have seen that film and memorized it that well unfortunately we did try to record it uh, via phone and uh well for one nostalgia trip just back and forth for this film what can you do it happens so but like you guys said, um, and like I was saying, I I hate that I'm having to remember all my thoughts from yesterday because I said it so much better then. But I know this film is got some giant cheese-sized holes in it in terms of technical details, like fridge questions, fridge logic, that sort of thing. But my main thought that I had while watching this is Roland Emmerich was truly at his most powerful in this scene. He, note for note, beat for beat, this was a perfect suspense, tension-building film. We all knew going into the film that the aliens were bad, they were going to blow up Washington, D.C. and the monuments. We all knew what was going to happen. And yet, especially for me, I was at the edge of my seat munching the popcorn leading through the entire film just like what's going to happen what's going on oh shit oh shit even after all that even after that high of everything watching subsequently it was still a fun film the action was great the 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 one-liners were fantastic will smith was a great leading man he was perfect for this film him and goldblum played perfectly and still to this day it the tension is gone for me it's not you can never get the tension that you get the first time you see it, unfortunately. But it's still just for me. It was, to to quote the movie, guys, an action-packed summertime film. As with you guys, this this uh, movie will always hit the nostalgia button extremely hard. Like it'll it'll pound it. It'll it'll pound it to where it may need to go to a. Uh... HR and uh, <laughs> report me. For it it, but uh, no, I, I love this movie. Uh, it's one of those things. It's like when we watched Starship Troopers, I pointed out that that movie on its surface was a us versus aliens action flick. But yeah. it had layers that, you know, was unseen on your initial viewings. And for a lot of us, probably 20th plus viewing that unless you really pay attention, you don't really see the subtext. And I'm not trying to dog Independence Day in any way, shape, or form, but it's like this movie is what it is on the surface. It is a alien invasion, blow shit up, popcorn-munching flick. 
It doesn't have any subtext. It doesn't have any, you know, hidden message. It's not trying to browbeat you with some kind of current events thing that feels like a lot of movies try to shoehorn in. You know, it is what it is. It is Independence Day. It's an alien invasion flick, and it's us being the underdog trying to win. It's one of the few movies that pulls this off successfully. You get other movies like War of the Worlds, the was a 2005 Steven Spielberg film. It tried to pull that off, and it tried to maintain a simple formula with a minor twist, but didn't really do it. Independence Day Resurgence, the sequel, tried to return to formula, but it just wasn't as successful as its predecessor. Probably for the same reason you pointed out that, uh, you know, 1996, it was a shared world. It was our world that we were seeing blown up, which was a fantastic point, Dan. But overall, it's like rewatching this movie again, even objectively. Yeah, there's plot holes, but I have a bad habit of using my headcanon to make it uh, to justify those. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, he spent, what, six years? Did they say six years or eight years at MIT? Uh, I think eight years. So hypothetically, he's a PhD from MIT. So it kind of makes sense that he's able to sit down and write a interface for an alien, or hypothetically, it was already written because they'd had a chance to mess with it for however many years. I don't know. Like I said, my headcanon could fit those holes. I don't have to do gen mental gymnastics to fill those holes, you know? Mm -hmm. Other thing is, I know I've got a tendency of commenting on the music. The score in this one is amazingly identifiable, and it just fits. All in all, you know, it's like, this movie's fantastic. So, to you, Dan. Well, my major final thought in this was, uh, it's twofold. Um, and it kind of goes a comparison to the sequel. But we were talking about the, the acting in this movie. It goes to the casting. I feel the casting in this film was spot on. Every single character interaction in this movie feels genuine. Whether they are supposed to hate each other, love each other, be indifferent towards each other, be the best of friends. The cast plays off each other in this movie so well. And the character arcs are so rewarding in their outcomes. Um, like if they had never made a sequel to this movie, I would have been happy because it, it it feels like all the character arcs are satisfying at the mm. end of the movie. Jeff Goldblum's character, David, and his ex-wife get back together at the end of the film. And, and they do play that really well in the movie, that they, they always loved each other. They just had a major bump in the road, I guess. Same with the, the president and his wife, you know, even though they only have a few scenes together. And actually, they only have one scene in person together. That's when she dies. But you still get the vibe that they're a loving married couple that's been married for a while. Will Smith and, and um, Vivica Fox are the hot young couple but you you don't ever get the vibe that they are they're not crazy for each other the president and david um jeff goldblum's character they don't really like each other at the first they, they respect each other you get you get the vibe that they respect each other but at the end of the movie the president and and david seem to patch things up you know so like i said all the character arcs to me had a very satisfying conclusion and the cast just plays off each other so well even the characters that only have a few scenes are still memorable like brent spiner as oakum or oaken i don't can't remember if it's oakum or oaken he's memorable in the movie of course the, the always fantastic judd hirsch is just awesome in this film <laughs> you know the the sniveling little asshole that is the secretary of defense i still remember in the theater when the president fired him, everyone kind of applauded. Well, yay! yay. <laughs> you know. Anyways, but no, I just I love the casting in this movie, and that brings me to having just recently rewatched the sequel. Um, they did bring back some of the actors from this film 
but the one missing one is definitely Will Smith. And Josh, I think you were the one that kind of said you had a conversation with your friend ages ago that Will Smith's not technically the main character of this movie. He's more of a secondary character and that yeah, it's we actually were, it was... Jeff Goldblum is actually the main character of this movie. I would argue that it's a dual protagonist that Jeff Goldblum and President Whitmore are the main characters of this movie. And I would say Will Smith is a second main character. He's he's a, he's, he's, he's a secondary character but he's very important to the movie and he has a presence. Will Smith has a presence in the movie. Every scene he's in, you're locked onto him and you're waiting for what he has to say. And that is so missing from the sequel. Yeah. He uh, was definitely the leader and he played to that perfectly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Having just rewatched the sequel, I'm not saying Will Smith being in the movie would have made the sequel better. I don't think it would have. If they, they still, if it had been the exact same plot just with Will Smith and it, it still wouldn't have been good. It's just, I'm just saying his presence is still missed in the movie. Like I know he turned down the Independence Day sequel to go do Suicide Squad and Suicide Squad's not any better really it's not that much better of a movie than independence day resurgence but he still has a presence in suicide squad and you know will smith has a presence. you can say whatever you want about him as an actor with his recent choices of roles but will smith when he's on the screen you're watching him and he is definitely missing from the sequel and he is so integral to this movie coming together like it does and being that, that perfect storm of a movie i will go to my grave saying that this is my Star Wars. I know it doesn't have the same cultural impact that Star Wars had in 1977, but it was everywhere in pop culture. I saw it multiple times in the theater. It hits all, like Josh says, it hits all the nostalgia buttons when I watch it. I will have fond memories of this movie until my dying day. I could totally agree with that. I mean, that was 96. We saw it three years before episode one. And when episode one came out, yeah. I remember this movie came out, I think I was going into sixth or seventh grade or seventh grade or some shit like that. So it's like I was still great. in my yeah. early teens. So yeah, it's like this is probably more of a Star Wars film. Like I have more memories of uh, enjoying this film than I probably do Episode One because you know mm-hmm. we walked out of ec- Episode One making excuses on why that was the best movie ever. Yeah, yeah, and and like I said, I think the 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 one element that brought the whole movie together was Will Smith, famous baseball player, played for the New York Yankees, named Reggie Jackson, was actually quoted as saying to a reporter one time that he knows he's not the most important player on the Yankees team, or he's not the best player on the Yankees team, but he's the most important player on the Yankees team because he's the quote, and this was his actual quote, the straw that stirs the drink. That's what Will Smith is in this movie. He's the straw that stirs the drink. Oh, that's such a good quote. You know what's hilarious is actually applying that. He's the one who actually brings effectively everything together. I mean, Levinson and uh, the president were obviously going to meet up. And then you had the the general, the uh, Robert Loja character. It's yeah. like he just fit with uh, Will Smith. He like fit perfectly, even though his character arc didn't merge until later on with theirs. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for him trying to go get his wife, he never would have uh, got the president's wife. And then it's like because he fought them, he was able to fly the ship up. Yeah. It's like, you're right. I mean, it's just... He fits so well into the story. That's like well-constructed character development in terms yeah. of getting him to where he needs to be. Yeah, he's the, he's the straw that stirs the drink because he's he's the most important character in the movie. He's not the main character, but he's the most important character in the movie. I would like I don't know. I think okay. in terms of oh. what they do, I would say Jeff Goldblum's is the most important character because if it wasn't for Jeff Goldblum's character, they all would have died at the White House. 
Um, they never right. would have got the virus to defeat them, so the aliens would have won, which is why I would give him you know, top billing on this is his movie. But I would say that without Will Smith, he could not have succeeded. So he is definitely important. I'd what? say the most important character, Judd Hirsch, because he's the one that gave the idea to give him a virus. And if I he hadn't that, been... I take back everything I said, Tom. You are correct. You win. It's official. It's, it's recorded. It's recorded. I win. I win. Well, you I know, do not lose. I win. You can make that argument, though, about a lot of characters in this movie. This is one of those movies where almost all the characters that have major speaking roles play an integral part to the plot. And no one's in the movie to pander to a specific demographic of the audience. Or no one's in the movie to fill a quota or mark a checkbox. Like, everyone in this movie that has a major speaking role is important. Um, to I almost the said, yeah, but... Yeah, but where's 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 my Latinos at? And then it dawned on me that uh, Richard Cassie's character, Randy Quaid's kids are Hispanic. Yeah, I'm like, well, yeah. shit, they're represented. Okay, I can't pull that card. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a great film. It's just yeah. a perfect summer film. Yeah, it is. It's a perfect storm of a movie that is. And and the sequel, even the sequel, shows that um, it's it's kind of just hard to catch lightning in a bottle twice and have the same impact that you had before. This Honestly, movie is just so good. I feel like if the sequel would have been released in like 98, 99, it would have been a little bit more successful. Because from what I was reading, this is the last movie to have no CGI as part, part of its special effects. Or mm-hmm. very, very little. And I know we pointed that out last, last night. But uh, the sequel would have been better done if there would have been... I think if it would have came out within within five years, better yet, within ten years... They that sh- they should have ended all option for a sequel within under twenty years or ten years. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to slightly disagree with you. Um, I'm just we all know what re- resurgence would become, but I like the idea that humanity had twenty twenty five years to build itself up to integrate the alien technology to those previews i was excited because we got to see what the world would become if something like id4 actually happened uh they didn't do the whole thing where they outlawed alien technology or anything else like that and kept humans at underdog for the eventual you know arrival we built up defenses in preparation that they were going to come back so when the previews were coming out i was like okay so humanity's prepared for them this time we're going to see something different something exciting you're actually going to see humanity maybe not toe-to-toe with them but able to actually like we could see some badass space fights and see what that could be and they threw the stake in the microwave yeah yeah, well, like they—they—it's funny that the opening salvo of the movie, they wipe out most of humanity's advanced defenses in seconds. Um, yeah. And uh, they—and then the first time the humans go uh, up to battle with the uh, aliens when they're trying to take out the queen the first time, it the the aliens curb stomp them uh, yeah. again, again. You know, they curb stomp them again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the alien, and then the humans have to have a crafty, low tech kind of final stand against the aliens, which mm-hmm. is almost beat for beat the last act of the first one. So yeah, it's just, it felt like, I don't know, the, the sequel just feels like the first one without any of the magic. One of these days we ought to watch that one. We ought to yeah. maybe do that one next week. <laughs> no, I don't think I'm ready for that, but uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to hit it up eventually. I'd like to say. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's a lot well, of oxies. Yeah, com- yeah. Uh, these thoughts for that film because that's going to be a two-hour-long episode 
just on our complaints alone. And how they yeah. could have done the sequel better. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to go back. a new segment, how we would have done it, because we are the experts in the field. Right, yeah. 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 Our, <laughs> All of our listener is, is agreeing with us. We're we're eleven weeks eleven weeks into a podcast. We already know how we can make a movie better than the seasoned veterans like Roland Emmerich and all that can. But well, to be fair, the sequel did suck. Oh God! It sucked. <laughs> Honestly, this is probably Roland Emmerich's best movie. Like he's he's made other movies that were commercially successful and made money, but this is his best film. Like twenty twelve is not that good. Obviously, Independence Day two is is not good. Godzilla. Um, Garbage. Yeah, the, yeah, the the American Godzilla movie in the '90s was just awful. Day after tomorrow. Yeah, yeah day after. Yeah, day after didn't, tomorrow didn't was do, edible. Uh, Midway. Uh, yeah, and that movie's actually not that bad, but it's not as good as Independence Day. Independence Day is still his best. He's like, this is peak Emmerich right here. 1996 mm-hmm. is peak Roland Emmerich, and and once again, he hates anything that's on a postcard. He just smashes all the monuments. <laughs> He had a every one of his hood. every one of his movies. He's got to go. He he looks at some major monument that we've seen on postcards and in on travel documentaries, and he's like, you know what? I'm gonna wreck it. I'm gonna wreck that shit. And I've, sure enough, there goes the Statue of Liberty. There goes Big Ben. There goes the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I bet his parents took him like on road trips all the time, just like so they could see monuments and natural, like everything, the Grand Canyon and all. And he, he probably hated it as a kid. He's like, this is the dumbest vacation ever. I wish someone would blow this damn thing up. They hate the Washington Monument. Yeah, and I mean, like, dude, even in like 2012, he blows up the Roman Colosseum. Like, fuck you, ancient monuments. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know Roland Emmerich hates everything. <laughs> you know, it's like he, they just, he hates everything. So that's just, that's that's I guess that's his thing. Everyone's got a thing. Michael Bay has military explosions. Spielberg's got whimsical kind of stories. And Roland Emmerich just blows up shit that was on postcards. So, <laughs> you know, every director's got a niche, I guess. <laughs> I, I think I've hit all my notes and then some. Um, Nigel, Reginald, uh, any additional thoughts, comments, thoughts, and more uh, comments? One last comment that I'm going to make. We made it last night because you lost connection right towards the end of the speech. But uh, Josh and I have agreed that that is the best presidential speech by any president, fictional or otherwise. Like, seriously, at the end of that speech, I was like, well, screw you, day of infamy speech. (laughs) You know, to hell with you, Gettysburg Address. None of you hold a candle to President Whitmore, and he's not even a real president. But I do think we never got a real world equivalent to that speech, except for the only thing I could even remotely think of that could come close is George W. Bush on the the, uh, rubble of the World Trade Center on 9-11. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking into a megaphone. That's kind. I mean, I know that that's years later after the movie, but if you know, you've watched that moment. That was kind of Independence Day in in its tone. I guess mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that's not what he was going for. That was an actual real world tragedy, whereas Independence Day is an entirely fictional situation. Mm-hmm. But yeah. anyways, yeah, best best speech by a president, living or dead, um, I mean, fictional or otherwise. <laughs> he he makes that speech, and I want to get in a fighter jet and go fight some aliens. Even though we know that we would probably die horrifically i dude i wouldn't even get off the runway i mean yeah i would i would be the when randy quaid gets in the plane and he hits the button that says missile armed i honestly wouldn't know how to turn that back off (laughs) why are there so many switches why yeah yeah i'd be in bad shape so um i thought it would be fun to uh 
try something a little different, as this is our uh, big Road to Independence Day finale. I have curated five questions that I randomly found on the internet. I did not actually write these questions, and I couldn't tell you exactly who did. But I'll go ahead and tell you them as if they were mine. So I'm going to ask these questions to Tom and Dan. They have not seen these questions because I've mostly wrote it as Dan was talking. And I'm, I'm, uh, we're going to go ahead and just see who wins. Okay. And uh, whoever wins, I'll buy you a beer. I don't know. Or you could just have the satisfaction of beating the other. That Finally, work? vindication. So uh, five questions. We're going to go who, uh, who answers first. So I'm going to ask the question. Let me finish it and then say your name. And then uh, I'll let you answer. Don't just throw out the, qu- the answer. You do that, you automatically lose. You just get uh, one point for getting it correct. But if you get it wrong, the other person gets a chance to answer. Do we have to answer in the form of a question? No, don't be stupid. So the first question is going to be kind of a gimme. What is the date at the beginning of the movie? Tom, 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 Tom. Tom. <laughs> December 2nd, 1941. Wrong. Dan, to you? Uh, Dan, and it's July 2nd. Yes, one point for Dan. Tom, really? I, I let you have that one. I, yeah. I let also, you have. That. Also, Tom, your joke falls flat. The Pearl Harbor attack was December seventh, nineteen forty-one. Son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number two. What does General Gray say was the first to be taken out? Then we were hit. Military. Ah, uh, damn it! Damn it! Dan, Tom, Dan, Tom, Tom, Dan. Tom, Tom, Tom. Dan, uh, he says uh, Nor- NORAD, or not NORAD, uh, NATO and other Western installa- Western ally installations. Boom, got it. Damn it, damn it. Uh, Two points. I knew that one. Dan? All right, Should ready? We... Question yeah. three. What was the name of Captain Hilliard's squadron? Dan. Ding, 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 Tom, Dan. Tom, Dan. Damn it. Black, Black Knight squadron. Very good. Three points. To Dan. I don't think Tom can win this at this point, but let's just go ahead and salt that wound. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have sandbagged that first question. No, Damn no, it. shouldn't. You shouldn't have. Question four. What kind of truck does Jasmine swipe to pick up people who got injured? Dan. Dan, go. A fire truck. Wrong. Okay. Tom? Oh, Tom. Shit. Um... Uh, a Ford Explorer. You just want to lose, right? <laughs> I can see it's it is a fire. It's a fire vehicle. I can see it because it had the the symbols on the such like L.A. fire. It's something. It's a fire vehicle. I just I at least I thought it was. It's not a construction truck. Go ahead and yeah. give us the answer, Josh. Yeah. Um, okay, so no points were awarded. It was a maintenance truck. It was uh, ma- written on the doors, yeah. California Highway Maintenance. Yep, yep, yep. All right, so final question. What is Captain Hiller's call sign? Dan. Go, Dan. Night one. Nope. Tom, do you? Night two. Nope, nope. Eagle. Captain Hilliard? That's well, that's that's just trivia. You're 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 able to contest it, but his uh friend's um, call sign was Reverend. His was Eagle, and then uh, at the end he wasn't flying in formation. The president's call sign was Eagle One. Huh. Uh, Are you talking like what the, the what the name said on the side of his plane when they were getting in their planes or whatever? Yes. 
Oh, okay. I because in the during the battle uh, during the battle on the spaceship, uh, he's saying night one on his uh, radio uh, when he's like firing his missiles. Yep, yep. It's uh, clearly said his call sign is Eagle when he's shows it when he's climbing up into the cockpit of his plane at the beginning of the movie. Right. Well, well awesome. I still so, won three to zero. Three to zero, Tom. Tom, you you lost. I mean, it would have been any closer, but you know. Yeah, yeah. That's what I get for co- being cocky. Yep. yep. Oh, that's, that's Tom, I expect you to make the ninety-minute drive here to Dayton and do my laundry today. Tom has to do the laundry. We've decided that. I'm sure I'll get right on that. But no, that this was, that was fun. <laughs> that was fun. Thank you. Thank you for introducing that, Josh, and let us never do it again. <laughs> to which Dan's like, "Let's do that again. I, I want to beat Tom again." Yeah, I won. So I mean, we can probably try this another two or three times until i lose and then we don't have to do it no more that works but right. guys this was this has been a great road to independence day i'm nigel i want to uh, thanks for coming up with this idea and the movie to go to because no, uh, yeah, josh, josh was the one that came up with the movie to go to josh was the one that we, well, while we're watching top gun josh is the one that said we have six weeks till independence day we need to do independence day the movie on July Fourth Weekend, yeah. yeah. On July Fourth Weekend, and that's when we came up with how do we get from Top Gun to Independence Day. Now we did go with my list, but the destination movie was all Josh, and it was a great as hell list. <laughs> I, I mean, it was. It, was. it was this, been a fantastic six weeks. This kind of changed the game for the entire podcast. I think we finally found our rhythm, and uh, yeah, what we're going, what the soul of this this uh, whole thing's going to be. Woo-hoo. It's, this is going to be a hard one to top, but I'm going to look forward to it because um, we were talk- We're still trying to plan out what the new route's going to be, but we, or at least where we're going to start. But we think we've got a destination at yes. least. So, Nigel, do you want to tell everyone what the destination film is going to be? Well, let's, uh, we're... let's hold off on this. We'll introduce that in the uh, like when we do our picks. Sure, Unless yeah. you guys want to do it now. Well, I mean, no, but I wouldn't. Just... I wouldn't mind giving them a little hint. Our our six bots and one. Uh, hey, Peggy has... can spec- Peggy can speculate all she wants. I'm I'm not going to give too much away. You might be able to figure this out, but just when you go to the beach this Fourth of July weekend, make sure that you remember to tune in next week as we give you our next road to idea on what our next movie's destination is going to be. Just think about it at the beach. Especially while swimming. <laughs> Beach blanket boingo. Yes, it's that 1950s classic. Tom spoiled it for everybody. It's Beach Blanket Bimbo, 1950s movie about going to the beach and singing Hickadula or whatever. Or that was a Family Guy episode. Either way. So Yeah, because yeah, everyone remembers that film. <laughs> yeah. Everyone remembers it. It was one of the most it was a pinnacle moment in American cinema. A seminal summer classic. Yes. Well, all right, gentlemen. As always, it's been a pleasure. Special shout out to uh, Sync Lounge and uh, Plex. Um, we are not getting any money for this. Sync Lounge is a free service that allows you to to uh, you and your friends to watch movies like we did um, simultaneously and pause and we're able to watch it like we're all sitting together, but we're all <laughs> geographically separated and still quarantined. And Plex, obviously, for allowing me to share my uh, personal movie collection. And special shout out to our listeners or listener. Uh, hi, Peggy, friend of the channel. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, if we're picking up more listeners as we're going, great. Uh, thanks for coming aboard. Thank you for joining us on the Road to Independence Day. I hope you had as much fun uh, going on this road as we did. Um, it was a blast. 
uh, please stay tuned for our next one. Uh, in the next six, seven weeks, we'll have a new destination. Well, no, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll have your map out next week, but it'll take six or seven weeks to get to our next destination. But be sure to listen in and we're going to have a lot of fun with that one too. So a special shout out to Podbean for hosting our podcast. And we're now on iTunes as well. So yeah, we're moving on up guys. So yeah, hopefully uh, by the time you're listening to this, all you should have to do is go into iTunes, your Apple podcasts app and search for the fire pit and we should show up. Yes. And on Podbean, we're firepit.podbean.com. But until next time, this has been the fire pit. I've been Tom. I've been Dan. I've been Tom. I've been Josh. And I've been Dan. Thanks for listening. And a production of Curtain Call Entertainment, LLC. Ooh. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Good luck out there. Ooh.